for a revival to hit this house, God, greater than we could imagine. Lord, we want more of you, more of you, more of you, more of you, more of you. We want more of you, we want more of you, we want more of you. We want more of you, God. We want more of you, God. We want more of you, God. We want more, God. We want more, God. You're worthy, God. Now they come here. I want you to pray for everybody. something that really touched my heart and I want to share with you and I want to pray then that God gives us a greater burden for souls William Booth the founder of the Salvation Army had a vision he had a vision of a great ocean and in this vision he saw people tied up bound drowning in the ocean and a big rock came out of the ocean this huge rock and some people were able to break free and get on the rock and as they were on the rock they formed these cliques and clubs but there were some that were on the rock that saw people drowning and they began to without thought of their own life jump into the great ocean and begin to pull people out. They were doing whatever it took to rescue these people. And as the vision continues, as some people are there on the rock just talking about hobbies and interests, there was these group that just kept sacrificing themselves time and time again, creating large poles to pull people in, crafting boats, but they kept going into the great ocean and pulling people out. Some of these groups would get to the high point of the rock and look far out and look to land and talk about one day that's where we'll be. And as William Booth continued to see this vision,
as people kept sacrificing and jumping into this great ocean, pulling people out, he saw Jesus not on the rock. He saw Jesus in this great ocean, walking through it, breaking the chains, breaking the bondages off people. And as people were diving in, their chains would break, their bondage would break, and they would grab them and pull them up into the great ocean, up from the great ocean and onto the great rock. It touched me because I want to be one of those people that sacrifice my own life, that not care so much about my own life. I want to be one of those people that will dive off that great rock into the great ocean as Jesus is setting people free and pulling them out and putting them onto the great rock. Every hand lifted. I pray for a burden for souls greater than you have right now. I pray that you are one of those men or women that will jump from the great rock into the great ocean because people are drowning and dying and don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. May we not form communities or cliques on the rock, but may our lives be those that sacrifice and jump into that ocean to see lives saved, transformed, delivered for the glory of God. God, give us a burden. Give us a burden. Give us a burden for souls. Give us a burden for souls, God. Give us a greater burden for souls, God. Give us a vision, God, for souls. Lord, give us a vision for our lost family members, Lord, that we can be a light in the darkness. We want more of you, God. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on. Come on. I know it's Sunday morning, but I feel like giving him a shout of praise. How many are glad when you were drowning in that great ocean, he broke every chain and every bondage off your life? So your foot, so you can be planted on the rock of salvation. Grateful in the house of God today for that. I'm grateful for my salvation. I'm grateful for my salvation. Come on. I have a word burning in my spirit, but before you're seated, I I really want to just say a few things that are very important as we begin to shift our eyes as we enter into September towards Tijuana God really began to speak to me strongly over the last two days about Tijuana I'm going to be preaching it's going to be part of my message as well but of what God's doing but I want you to realize that God is doing something special here and It's amazing to watch what God is doing 
in our youth, our young adults, our kids, our men's and women's. And we are getting ready to take it to another level. On Tuesday, starting this Tuesday, we are starting our discipleship night. And so it's going to be amazing. We're going to have men's discipleship, women's discipleship. You see all the different discipleships. It's going to be amazing. You're not going to want to miss it. It's a great time. And I want everyone to come out on Tuesday because this is how you're going to grow in the Lord. Amen. I also am so excited for there's so many new people coming to church and just for you to get plugged in, we want everyone to attend Growth Track. It's a way that you get plugged in, you figure out what's happening. This is so important to be plugged into a local church. Amen. Because the first time you come, you're a guest. The second time, you're family. So if you're family, you need to get plugged in. Because when you're part of a family, you just can't eat without doing the dishes. Come on, somebody. You might be called the vacuum the carpet one week. Come on, somebody. Nobody's excited about that. All right. But that's part of the kingdom. Amen. All right. And there's so many amazing things. Also, next weekend, we have a more service on September 10th at 7 p.m. And that whole weekend, we're going to be taking up a Tijuana mission seat offering. So we want everyone to come prepared to give for Tijuana. All right. Everybody lift your hands one more time. Give Jesus a shout of praise if you believe he can change everything. Hey. My God ain't dead. He's alive. My God's arm isn't short. My God's arm can reach into every and any situation. He's not deaf. His ear is not dull. He can hear it all. Come on, somebody. I'm excited for today. And you're not going to want to miss tonight. Tonight's going to be a great time. We're going to pray for almost everybody. Sunday night's been amazing. But God's also given me a word for tonight from the book of Revelation. And I want to deliver that. And it's going to be very powerful. So I, I, I want you to come out for that. So before you're seated, I want to give you my title to my sermon today. And it's God can do more with your ashes than he can with your life. You don't got to clap it. Come on, somebody. Doesn't matter if you like it or not. That's what God gave me. So, All right, stay standing. We're going to read Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 10, and then we're going to go right into it. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John... With John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Powerful. Lord, we just give this time to you. Lord, I pray that they don't see me preaching, but they see you, Jesus. Speak to hearts, speak to lives. Do what only you can do, God. We thank you that you are changing everything. In Jesus' name, everyone say. All right, you could be seated. High five your neighbor for a moment. Worship team, you could be seated. I appreciate it. How many of you love our worship team? Come on, we can do a little better than that. How many love our worship team? I'm telling you, you definitely want to come out tonight. I think it's going to be 103 degrees today. So the best place to be, the air conditioning is working. So make sure you are here tonight. Can I get a loud amen? I am so excited to share everything God has begun to speak to my heart and life. And as we look at Acts chapter 3 here, it's just going to be a launching pad for what God has for us today. But to really understand Acts chapter 3, we have to talk about Acts chapter 2. And there was men that were praying in the upper room. And there's something so special when we begin to pray. I've been preaching about prayer. We've been having more times of prayer. And I've said to everybody, if we begin to pray, we won't recognize this church in one year. I don't even recognize it in just a few weeks. God is doing something. And as these men got filled with the Holy Spirit, and as Peter began to address the crowd, and you know, the crowd mocked them. They thought they were drunk. They began to thought they looked ridiculous. You know, the world might look at us like we're ridiculous. That you come to church on Sunday, you come Sunday night, you come Wednesday, you're part of discipleship. You know, your family, your friends can look at you some type of way because all you do is devote your life to the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you start to really devote yourself to God, people will begin to hate on that. They'll mock you, they'll make fun of you, they'll laugh at you. Look what your life is about. Let me tell you, there's no better life than a life in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, that's the truth. I've experienced a lot of life at a young age, and I'm telling you, I've served a lot of different things in life. There is nothing like serving Jesus Christ. Can I get a loud amen? Come on, give me a loud amen. 
See, this is an amazing picture, amazing vision. See, this lame man to me represents the world around us. Every day he'd be carried to this gate. Every day he had no power. Every day he had no strength to do what he had to do. And so many religious people every day walked by him with no power to change his situation. Religious folks walked by him and they did not have the ability to see his situation become different. Let me tell you, when Jesus Christ lives in you, when you have Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm here to tell you there's a power. There's a power, there's an authority, there's an anointing that comes on you that's different than what the world has. See, when you have this authority, when you have this anointing, when you have this power, it's different than what the world says. See, we've spent too much time trying to be like the world when that's not what we're supposed to be like. We're a peculiar people. We're, we're a set-apart people. We're, we're different than the world. Come on, somebody. I don't care if the world mocks me. If I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. I don't care if people think I'm drunk. Come on, somebody. How many know the church does a lot more when people think they're drunk or when they're drunk in the spirit than they do when they're sober come on somebody I want you to understand today that there is a world crying out for help and there's a church crying out for help this this man this crippled this lame man needed Peter and John they needed these men because they had a message and they had a miracle waiting for him. And I want you to understand today, there's people waiting for you. There's people waiting for you to bring a message. There's people you pass by every day at your work. And wouldn't it be a shame if you never share the good news of Jesus with them? You pass by their desk every day. You pass by their cubicle every day. You pass by whatever. And you never share about Jesus. You never invite them to church. You never share your faith. See, the early church, see, they, the early church had nothing and possessed all things. We have everything and possess nothing. They had nothing, but they possessed all things. He said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I'll freely give to you. See, you can't give something unless you have it. You can't give something. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. See, they had the material things. They didn't have the material things. They possessed nothing but had everything. We possess everything and have nothing. I want you to understand this. See, the early church was birthed in the upper room with men agonizing. Now we have people in a back room organizing and I'm here to tell you 
we need to go back to agonizing because we will have nothing to organize if we don't have the spirit of God moving and breathing through this through our land through our church through our they had the fire of God the fire of God if we're lucky we have fire in the kitchen we have fire in the kitchen they had the fire of God they had fire and faith and it made them fruitful when you have fire and when you have faith you will always be fruitful it's fire with faith that produces fruitfulness because you can't do it on your own strength you need the fire of God we need the fire of God we need faith in God we need to believe what he says I, I want you to understand today Christianity if Christianity isn't supernatural it's not Christianity of the Bible if it's not supernatural it's not the Christianity of the Bible there's so many churches that won't pray for the sick that don't believe in miracles that don't believe in signs and wonders look that's not Christianity because if you look in the Bible it is full of the supernatural from Genesis to Revelation it is not Christianity if it's not supernatural it's not just good words it's not just good worship we're not coming up here just to record a CD I'm not here just to give you an eloquent speech come on somebody that's not what it's about if it's not supernatural it's not Christianity Christianity is supernatural see it's different than everything else because it, we believe that when we lay our hands on the sick they recover we believe one word from God can change a situation we believe that God pulls people from that miry clay and sets their feet upon the rock of salvation we believe that he can deliver people out of demon possession he can deliver you out of drug addiction he can deliver you out of alcoholism see we believe in the supernatural because it's not Christianity if it's not supernatural Christianity without the supernatural is not Christianity it's a form of godliness that denies the power thereof and I'm brokenhearted for the generation that is my generation and younger. I heard some, someone told me a story yesterday about a young man he met with that said he serves Jesus, but he also does tarot cards. But it's good because it's white magic. I said, I asked her, I said, you're messing with me. They said, no, this is real. And that Jesus backs their magic because they only use it for good. I said, that's a lie of the devil. Let me tell you, you got to choose this day who you're going to serve. You, you can't ride the fence. There's a day that will come where mercy will be gone. There comes a day where mercy will be gone. There's coming a day, the white throne judgment, where mercy 
is no more. And I want you to understand today, the early church was impressive. It was so impressive. The churches today are spiritually impoverished. Back then they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were amazed at their boldness. They said they were uneducated men, but they had this boldness. What do people see in us? I don't think they see our boldness. I think they see our coldness. I don't think they see boldness. I think they see men and women that are refrigerators for the Lord. That once in a while we'll talk about God. But only do it on the down low. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. The gospel is offensive. Well, I, I, don't, I don't want my neighbor to get mad at me. Let me tell you, your neighbor's going to get mad at you no matter what. There's going to be something you're going to do. You're going to chop down your tree and they're going to get mad. Your dog's going to pee in their backyard. They're going to get mad. Something you're going to do, they're going to get mad. Might as well get mad. They get mad at you for a good thing. Come on. I want you to understand this today. I want you. The early church had this fire and faith. It was remarkable for its fire, faith, and fruit. It was a living church, an alive church. There's nothing greater when a church is on fire for God. When a church is on fire for God, I'll drive far, I'll go the extra mile. When the Spirit of God is moving, there's nothing like it. They had a living church. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit can't do anything small. The Holy Spirit can't do anything small. I'll show you. Romans 8:11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Genesis 1-2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Acts 2-2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rush and mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit can't do anything small. The Holy Spirit can't do anything small. When the Holy Spirit begins to move, it's going to be a big thing. He's going to transform your life, and it's going to be a big thing. When the Holy Spirit begins to move supernaturally, it's a big thing. The Holy Spirit does big things. Come on, somebody. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit is doing something big in this house. He's lighting you on fire, not just to... Not just for you, not just for your family, but for the city around you. God is doing something fresh in you. The Spirit of God is moving in you. It's not something little. It's not something to joke about. It's not something to act like it's insignificant. If the Spirit is moving in you, it's something big. Because the Holy, the Holy Spirit only does big things. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of the Holy Spirit. He didn't come in Acts 2 as a dove, as water, or oil, which the Holy Spirit represents all those things. He came as wind and fire. He didn't come as 
dove, water, or oil, but he came as wind and fire. Can you imagine seeing fire blowing through the air? He came as wind and fire. God, we need more of your wind. We need more of your fire. We don't want to do this on our own. God, I don't want to be married to methods or machinery, God. God, we want the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. God doesn't raise up methods or machines. God raises up men and women. And I want us to understand as we are preparing for what God's getting ready to do. See, what happens, some people don't want the fire because you saw wildfire, so you settled for no fire, and the world is going to hellfire. See, you saw wildfire and said, I'm settling for no fire. But because of that, there's a world around you going to hellfire. And so I want you to understand something today. We need the fire of God. We need the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. We need the Holy Spirit to take full control. We need the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. We can't be led by our own strength, our own ambition, our own agenda. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. In Malachi 3, verse 1, it says this, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. I am believing as we gather in this tabernacle, I am believing that God is going to send his fire. The Lord is going to visit us. Not just for us, but for the world around us. My heart is burdened for the lost. My heart is burdened for souls. My heart is burdened for a confused generation. My heart is burdened where people think they can be in witchcraft and serve Jesus at the same time. They're not serving Jesus. They're serving the God of their own understanding, which they just named Jesus. I'm here to tell you that God will always send his fire to his altar. God sends the fire. But I want you to understand this. An altar... An altar in the Old Testament is only meant for one thing. The altar isn't meant for a repair job. You come here and get a little tweak. That's not what the altar is meant for. It's not meant for an emotional bath. The altar of God is only meant for one thing. To die on. The altar is to die on sacrifices die on the altar they don't get a little fix they don't get a little repair job in the old testament the altar was used for one thing and one thing only sacrifice
and you die on the altar. And what happens when you begin to die on the altar, God says, I'll take those ashes and I'll use those ashes greater than I can use your life. See, I want you to understand something today. It goes back to one thing that I've been preaching over and over and over and over again. See, when you're dead to yourself, when you're dead to you, it doesn't matter the opinions of others because those opinions can't affect you because you're already dead. See, the great thing about a dead man, no one else can kill you because you're already dead. See, God isn't looking for men and women that just want to come to the altar of God and get a little repair job. God ain't looking for men and women to come up to this altar and just get an emotional bath. God is looking for men and women and I'll say, I'm putting myself on the altar. God, send your fire. Send your fire. Altars are meant to die on. Altars are meant to die on. Altars are meant to die on. Every hand lifted right now. I pray that God makes you a living sacrifice on his altar. Lord, burn us up. Burn us up. Burn everything away that doesn't belong. Burn the desire for sin. Burn everything up. Burn it all up, God. Lord, we want your power. We want your, we want your authority. We want your anointing. We want, we want to pray. We, we want your intercession. We, God, we, we want to die on this altar because you can do more with our ashes than you can with our life. Look at me. God began to speak to me so strongly yesterday about Tijuana, about what is getting ready to happen. God took me to look at the lives of two great men through church history. One was a guy you probably never heard of, but his name was David Brainerd. He was part of the first great awakening in America in the 1700s. David Brainerd was a missionary to the Native American Indians, one of the first. He would pray so much. His journal is still published today, The Life of David Brainerd. Jonathan Edwards, who was the tip of the spear of the First Great Awakening, wrote about him. The man would kneel down in the snow, and he'd be able to touch it with his fingertips. It was so high. It would go up to his chin. And he would pray so much, eight, ten hours, that the snow would begin to melt around him. He prayed himself to death. He was 29 years old when he died of tuberculosis. He prayed so much, and he wouldn't leave the mission field that he began to cough up blood in the snow. Jonathan Edwards used him as an example, not about what a great missionary he was, but he said, this is what a Christian is. 
See, it's not about how long you live. It's not about how long you live. Because I know a lot of people that live a long life and do nothing. It's about the quality of what you do. David Brenner lived to 29 years old, did more for God than most people will do in three or four lifetimes. He tells one account that he was going down this little trail and they're on rocks and their horse, his horse, falls. And he should have broke his leg, he said, but God spared him. But his horse broke its leg and he said to do the right thing he killed his horse because it wasn't going to make it and he kept on his journey to preach the gospel walking he would pray he talked about going into his secret office for 8, 10 hours, 12 hours a day in the wilderness. One time he said, my flesh desires for a barn or a stable or even a hedge to pray, to pray in. But I know it's just a desire of the flesh. I will keep praying here in the wilderness. Jonathan Edwards said, that is a Christian. He didn't say that's a missionary. He said, that's what it means to serve Jesus. Died at the age of 29. His book is still sold today, almost 300 years later. He impacted so many lives, and he only lived to 29. See, it's not how long you live and do nothing. It's what you do with your life. He understood that prayer grasped eternity. He understand that by praying, devoting to prayer, he could change things. There's another man that God had me study. His name was Charles Finney. Absolutely love Charles Finney. He's probably the greatest American preacher ever. He was the tip of the spear of the second great awakening in the 1800s. Charles Finney was a lawyer that got radically converted by reading law books. The Holy Spirit spoke to him through the law. But before that, he would attend church every week, lost, and he was the choir director. So he ran the choir. He'd be like, Shalom. Thank God Shalom isn't lost. Can you get a loud amen? But he was essentially the worship leader, the choir director. And he was leading the choir every week. Lost. Not saved. Not converted. It made me think, how many come to church on Sunday and are lost? How many come in here and, I'll even say it, serve. And you're not saved. How many come in here and you serve week in, week out, and you're not saved? 
And maybe that doesn't happen here because we preach such a, this gospel message so strong. But how many churches around the world have so many people serving week in, week out? You're next to the glory of God. You're next to the spirit of God, the fire of God. I don't know how you can be in the presence of God and not surrender your life. Finney did such amazing things that when he began to preach, he would preach for 28 nights in a row before even giving a salvation call. He would not give a salvation call until he preached 28 times because he wanted to make sure everyone got it. He didn't want them to get, make a decision in a moment that wouldn't last a lifetime. And so Finney went to Rochester, New York. And this is the second great awakening in our country. He went there and began to preach. And in a matter of weeks, 100,000 people were saved. It gets better. Bars began to shut down. Prostitution began to end. Sex trafficking began to stop. Uh, see, we have a heart to see sex slaves rescued. You know how you see sex slaves rescued? When an awakening happens in a city. It happens through the fire of God. Come on, somebody. Finney began to destroy the sex trafficking industry in that area. So many people were getting saved. So many people were getting transformed. Bars would just close their doors and never reopen. And see, it wasn't just a revival. It wasn't just this thing where the church catches it. It wasn't just that. It was an awakening where the whole city felt the presence of God and got convicted and said, I can't live like this. I can't go on like this. But see, let me tell you how Finney preached. Finney didn't preach the love of God. He preached the wrath of God. He didn't preach, uh, he didn't preach heaven. He preached hell. He preached Psalm 711. God is a just God and God is angry with the wicked every day. He didn't preach love. He preached judgment. He didn't preach grace. He preached the law. He didn't preach mercy. He preached judgment. I'm just telling you what Finney did. And Finney saw a whole city. He saw bars shut down, brothels shut down down prostitution shut down he saw a whole city awaken for the glory of God he didn't say God loves you but he he's not real cool with your sin he didn't preach like that he preached the wrath of God he says one day you're gonna have to answer before God he said God is angry with the wicked every day when's the last time you heard that preached The whole city was changed. And it not just happened there, it happened all over. And it began to spread. And this is what God showed me. I said, God, I began to fix my eyes on Tijuana this week. And I said, God, what do you want to see there? What do you want me to do there? What do you want this team to do? What do you want this church to do? Because sometimes we can get so familiar with things because we're so close to things. Because Tijuana is so close and we go there so frequently, sometimes you get familiar with things you're close to. 
And so God began to show me things about Tijuana. And God says, if you and that group, the group that is going, and your church will put yourself on the altar, I'll use your ashes to spark a fire that will change the city. He said, Tijuana will be known as a holy city of God. He said, bars will shut down. Sex trafficking will stop. Prostitution will stop. Drugs will stop. I said, God, am I hearing this right? He said, if you and your group and your church will put yourself on the altar and let me burn everything up, I'll take the ashes and I'll use the ashes and I'll light a fire in that city that will change the moral compass of that city. God said, I'll shut down bars. I'll shut down strip clubs. I'll shut down prostitution. I'll shut down sex trafficking. He said, it's not me doing it. It's the fire that spreads. The conviction will hit the city so strong through the pastors, through the leaders that get touched there as well. God says it will be such an awakening, not just a revival, but an awakening. God says a great awakening is coming to Tijuana, Mexico that will change Mexico forever. I had a vision as I was praying yesterday of parents taking their children to Tijuana and saying this is a holy city of God. I saw it in the future. And I saw parents walking their children, taking their young babies, and saying, this is a holy city of God. God says, I can do more with your ashes than I can with your life. And then this morning, Vanessa, come here. As Vanessa, I, uh, I, I, I Googled this. Come on, somebody. So go ahead with your Googling skills. I Googled about ashes causing fire. It says, even after several days, ashes can retain enough heat to reignite and start a fire. Never throw away ashes in a plastic garbage can, a cardboard box, or a paper grocery bag. I said, Vanessa, what is the name of the city that surrounds the stadium? Cartolandia. It's translated in English, it's cardboard city. God said this to me this morning. He said, I'm going to take the ashes. I've surrounded you with cardboard. I'm going to light Tijuana on fire for the glory of God. I'm going to light Tijuana on fire. Cardolandia is going to catch.
catch fire and then every city afterwards going to catch fire and it will be known as a holy city of God. An awakening's coming to Tijuana. God says, I can use your ashes more than your life. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody stand to your feet. Every hand lifted. Like how God used Finney, God use us. I pray that we will die on this altar for the glory of God. I pray that we will fast and pray. We will sacrifice, we will give and we will go. God, I pray right now as the worship team makes themselves come back, as the worship come back. God, I pray right now, send your fire. We promise we'll put ourselves on the altar. I was amazed as the Lord was speaking to me. I was amazed he called it a holy city of God. I was amazing that he would begin to shut down like he did in Finney's day. Bars and prostitution, drug trafficking, sex trafficking. It's amazing how an awakening, and, and now they come here, I, I think we have it on the screen. Here's the difference between a revival and awakening. Natalie, Pastor Rod Parsley is getting ready to release a book. He asked Natalie to look at it before he released it and read through it. And this was part of the new book. It hasn't come out yet. I want Natalie to read it. An awakening is revival so wide, so deep, so strong that it bleeds into the fabric of society. It steps over boundaries of race, class, economics, and institutions of all human restraint. It transforms culture. It is inescapable. It needs no advertisement other than changed lives. It requires no publicity but its own miracles, signs and wonders, and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. The unchurched and unsaved sense it and benefit from it. Jesus. Send an awakening to that land. A revival so deep and so wide that it's inescapable. Use us, we lay our lives down. Eyes closed, hands lifted. We lay our lives down. We say yes to this call. We say yes individually. We lay our lives down right now for the sake of a city, for the sake of the lost. We lay our lives down right now. We lay it down right now. We lay it down right now. We lay it down right now. And we ask for your fire. 
your fire, your holy fire to fall on each and every one of us individually, not for our benefit, not for our benefit, but for your glory. So we can burn for you, that that would be the cry of each and every one of our hearts and our cry collectively, that we will burn for you, that we will burn for you, for your glory. And that fire will unite and it'll grow. And at this crusade, God, you'll be glorified. And as the trumpet of God sounds through that land, there will be something that cracks open the eyes of the lost, that cracks open the spirits of the lost, that cracks open that territory, that breaks open that hard ground, that breaks open every hard heart. Oh, and your fire will fall in that place. Miracles, signs, and wonders, demonstration that will bring evidence. The fear of the Lord will return to that land, and a great knowledge of God will be birthed in that place, a place where the knowledge of God has been stuffed down. It's going to rise up in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. An awakening we've been contending for will come in the name of Jesus, and we lay our lives down for it today. In Jesus' name. Come on, praise God. Give him a shout of praise. Natalie, stay here. It would be just like God to use Tijuana to cause an awakening that would sweep across Mexico and I believe America as well. Every hand lifted. I'm asking each one of you today for the sake of not just your children or your grandchildren, for Mexico, for America, an awakening that would hit Tijuana, that people would be in the bar, people would be in strip clubs, and the power of God would run through that place, and they would feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost and say, I can't live like this, I can't be like this, and begin to walk out. Men and women that are bound and trapped in sex trafficking, the people that have them bound and trapped, the Holy Spirit conviction would hit them so hard that they would set them free and say, I can't live like this. Women bound in prostitution would leave it and say, I can't live like this. Can you imagine the Spirit of God running up and down the streets of Tijuana, going down revolution, Agua, Agua Caliente, Boulevard, Agua Caliente, they're going down all these different avenues and getting hit by the power of God. This is an awakening of our God. It happened in Finney's day. It happened in Jonathan Edwards' day. And it can happen now in Tijuana. Come on, give him praise. God says, you're not just going to see 
miracles, signs, and wonders. You're not just going to see blind eyes open. You're not just going to see the lame walk. See, Peter and Jaws, it wasn't just a lame man walking. It was a boldness that came over them. They turned the world upside down. They changed the city. See, God showed me that what we're getting ready to do is not just have a crusade in a stadium. God, I saw these ashes that were so hot just begin to catch everything on fire. I believe in for a citywide transformation that goes so deep and so wide. It's, I believe the churches are gonna get hit by the glory of God. I believe that bars are gonna get hit with the glory of God. I believe that I believe that drug dealers are gonna get hit with the glory of God. I believe cartel members are gonna get hit with the glory of God. I believe that a great awakening is coming to Tijuana, Mexico, like we've never seen before. And we I believe God can do it. God's not a man that he should lie. God told Natalie about this word. I know she told her buddy yesterday about the word God spoke to me about ashes. But as I got here this morning, I was praying. It hit me. About the whole city surrounded, surrounding the stadium is called Cardboard City. It said, keep these ashes away from cardboard. The devil has tried to keep us away from this. You won't have victory. We declare there's victory in the name of Jesus. We declare Tijuana shall be saved for the glory of God. I'm believing like Finney. I'm believing a whole city to be changed. The Holy Spirit, when he does something, he does big things, not small things. Holy Spirit, you've orchestrated this. You've led us here. Lord, Holy Spirit, you only do big things. I declare big things are getting ready to happen in Tijuana for the glory of God. Every hand lifted. God, make me a sacrifice. God, make me a sacrifice. God, make me a sacrifice. God doesn't want to use your life. He wants to use your ashes. God said, if you'll sacrifice yourself on the altar, I'll use your ashes greater than your life. God, I give you everything. I give you everything. I give you everything. I give you everything. You're worthy, God. We lift up the name that's above every other name. I pray for the Holy Spirit to move up and down those streets of Tijuana, convicting hearts. A great awakening that will hit that city, not just a revival, but a great awakening where the conscience of men and women come alive to the glory of God. Where they will sense the glory of God. Where they will sense the manifest power of God. Where they will be, God, 
anymore. God, use our ashes. We give you our ashes. Just like those men in the upper room, we're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. more of you come as the ushers come forward I want to take up our tithes and offering but also we're going to give radically to Tijuana we're going to have that special offering next week but I'm not even waiting for next week we're giving we're going to give radically you want to give to Tijuana, give to missions. But I'm telling you, we're going to give. We're going to give radically. I believe in tithing. I believe in giving offering. I believe in being obedient to God. What if this one thing could stop sex trafficking in Tijuana? What if this one thing could shut down every bar Zona Norte what if it could shut down every strip club up and down revolution this is a great awakening that's what happens in a great awakening the city gets changed God we promise to be a sacrifice We won't preach watered-down messages on those streets. We're going to preach bold. We're going to preach fire. We're going to preach Jesus is coming again. I want everyone to prepare to give. We're going to pray. I know we're taking up special offering next week, but I want everyone that's tithing, if you're giving an offering today, I want to pray that you get so blessed that you keep giving to this. That God blesses you so much that it's just an overflow. I sense there's a very special and great anointing to give today in the room. And I want Natalie to pray. Come here. As you prepare to give, there's ways to give. if your sacrifice of giving could save young women that are trapped in sex trafficking. What if it could save a prostitute on the street from not getting AIDS? This is what an awakening does. anointing on this seed a mighty increase that can only come from heaven that this seed will be multiplied for the glory of God so that every giver can give more can give an abundance can give greater I thank you Lord that 
as we plant this by faith, as we sow this by faith right now, that you are breathing on it for your purposes and plans, that this is for the glory of God. And so right now in the name of Jesus, as you release this seed into the hand of God, we pray that it will be multiplied back to you a hundredfold so that you can see greater, greater, greater done for the glory of God. I thank you for every giver. I thank you for every tither. I thank you for everyone giving radically right now to this kingdom work. And we pray and we believe and we say it will be done. Every penny needed for this crusade will come through in the name of Jesus. And everyone who gives to it will be blessed greater than they could ever imagine for the glory of God. Blessed to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give Jesus a shot of praise. Come on, let's give Jesus a shot of praise. We're going to open up these altars in a minute, but I want to do something before we do that. I want to praise God for what's getting ready to happen. So every hand lifted. I want to lift up the name of Jesus. I want to just praise him for what he's getting ready to do in Tijuana. I want to celebrate how good our God is, how faithful he is. Come on, every hand lifted. God, we thank you. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Lord, we declare that our ashes will catch that city on fire for the glory of God. God, we declare we'll do our part.
I believe it for the glory of God. Do it like you did with Finney, God. Do it like you did with Edwards, God. Do it like you did with Wesley, God. Come on, every hand lift him. Tijuana shall be saved for the glory of God. Tijuana shall be saved for the glory of God. Tijuana shall be saved for the glory of God. Shut down the sex trafficking industry. Shut down every brothel, every red light district. Shut it down for the glory of God. I pray for people in AIDS clinics to get completely healed in the name of Jesus. I pray that hospitals will be emptied for the glory of God. Hey, I call Tijuana a holy city of God. A holy city of God. A holy city of God. Holy city of God. Every hand lifted. Come on, Shalom leaders. Lift him up. Somebody lift him up. Lift him up, lift him up. We lift Come on, lift him up. Bye. 
Satan. Exaltale. Alguien exaltale. Exaltale por las cosas que va a hacer el Señor en Tijuana. Oh, porque Él es grande y vamos a ver su manifestación en ese lugar. Exaltale. Alguien exaltale. Oh, te exaltamos, Señor. Oh, por todas las cosas que vas a hacer. Las maravillas, exaltale. Exalta 